Good evening, good evening, good evening. We're going to get right into another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Brothers, how are you? I'm doing. I'm ready to go. I'll be moving out in the morning. Doc, how are you, sir? With all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. was disappointed uh, this week uh, with things going on in a lot of ways outside of sports. Obviously, it's True. touched on sports True. to some degree in Baltimore with cancellation of the um, Major League Baseball game. Uh, but uh, we found out even more so with the charges uh, by the attorney or by the uh, state attorney. State attorney in terms of uh, Baltimore and what she, Maryland, in terms of what she did with the police officers. So um, intriguing to see where this goes from here. Sounds like the voices of the people, to some degree, were being heard, although some may not agree with uh, the framework they did it, but I guess at times, desperate situation calls for desperate measures. But... Even though outside of sports, when you look at it, I think just like we see in sports with terminologies and associations, I just think some of the terms that are used are intrigued when you start to see them in different mediums. And the power of words, as I tell my students all the time in regards to understanding uh, in their dialogue with people how well, important Doc, that is. Where, when they, where they Kentucky students, when they burn down, did damage on, on campus, were they called thugs? No. Okay, case Not closed. in anything I've read. Yeah, okay. Seen. No. Here we go. All right. Let's work forwards and backwards. Do uh, you want to start with and get it out of the way quickly? The uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Pacquiao, Mayweather. Who's selling out $100? Who's inviting me over to the house to watch, watch the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight? Well, it'll cost you 250 to roll the Vegas with me and go to a house party there. That's only and like I said, if I I didn't say I roll, said roll, I said a hundred dollars. Hey, I didn't say. I'm talking about I'm talking about getting it done as of today. Uh, well, actually, lunchtime today. How much is the plane ticket? That's what I'm talking about. Round trip. Oh, it's it's two hundred dollars round trip. Uh, well, two sixty round trip to complete. Uh, and I'll get back here Monday. Which will be fine. And then <laughs> I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only, it's only $50 for the house party. Oh, so you did, you did pretty well. Oh, yeah. 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 He knows how to so get deals. Cheaper than, than, he knows how to get de- cheaper bargains. Cheaper than the actual buying the package. So, Doc, you going to watch the fight, Doc? You going to watch the fight? Yeah, I'm fortunate. Uh, my years of being a member of uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, Fellas going to invite you over. The graduate chapter there, uh, right here that I'm a member of, they actually have already purchased the fight in terms of um, activity for the fraternity, socialization-wise. So I plan to partake with the brothers, at least for part of the fight. Who's going to win? You know, it's interesting. I've heard a couple of folks... uh, uh, Evander speak. I've heard George uh, men- make mention. I've heard uh, a couple of uh, uh, I think, commentators. I and think all. George picked Pacquiao, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He. I think he, many he, of the fighters have. Yeah, and picked, the, and Evander said something this morning that, that I really had noticed. That, you know, I had really hadn't paid attention to it, and I had basically forgot that uh, you know the day of 
uh, well, the day before when they when they the guys are preparing for uh, just the weigh-in, you know, there's a lot of mental things going on in your mind. You know, no matter you you, you got to refocus, still keep stuff out of the gym, but you know, within 24 to 4, uh, 24 hours, you'll be stepping in the ring, and that weigh-in pretty much gets you to that point. Uh, guys don't eat. You know, some guys, you know, d- d- develop. Uh, uh, so you think <laughs> these fighters that have been doing this for so long, won championships, you think they will detour? He, he's, he's, he's basically going he, from their traditional framework of what they've done for fights? Over, over, each individual fighter is different the way they approach. I agree with that, but I'm saying these particular, since we're talking yeah, about the Mayweather the, yeah, package, that, that you could think happen. one of these fighters, could, could if change not it, both, will change up there. At some point, yes. He said, because you do hear what's going on around you once you step in that ring, and sometimes you can overstep your bounds at the wrong time, and bam. I'd be surprised from either one of these fighters that they go outside of their normal routine. I think they are both champions, obviously. Right. Both top contenders, One of the, both two of the best mm-hmm. fighters of their era, obviously. So I don't see that. I really see this fight boiling down to a tactical fight and I think Mayweather is probably one of the best in history in terms of his style of fights it's not an exciting fight he can counter he's a, he's a, a, fight. He's he's a great counter fighter yeah um, but he's a defensive guy so I think it's going to be really difficult for Pacquiao to get to him and Pacquiao is a very aggressive fighter I think he might back off of some of his aggression in terms and of and that fighting. would be a, a that but would I don't be a think it's going to be enough for him to um, be able to defeat Mayweather in this particular And fight. you just mentioned something. You know, Pacquiao realizing that he can't get to him and start to change up what he normally does. is stepping in and going after guys early and finding out, you know, what's a week, you know, what, what can he, what can yeah, he find out? I was talking about preparation before the fight. Well, no, I'm talking about once those guys step in. Hmm. And I, I've I've been in the dressing rooms when yeah. guys but have gotten ready. If, even if he doesn't, I think the one thing that could help him is if he doesn't go after Mayweather. I think if he does what he normally does, I think it's worse for this fight. I don't think he can defeat Mayweather by trying to attack him. He's just too good on the defensive side. So I think in that case, his strength, that's my point that uh-huh. I'm making overall, that Pacquiao's strength, whether he uses it or not, is not – geared towards this particular fighter. It hurts him in this case. Well, let me ask this question in between uh, pass around the table. Will Mayweather cut off the ring a lot quicker in this fight than he normally does, or will he wait to just lead the fight alone? You know, just just lead round and round and and I think he, keep his, keep I think his he said going. something other, or at least his dad did, that he'll try to go. But I, I don't think it's in his nature. I don't think his style is fight. So, no, I don't think I think he'll do what he normally does. So I, I don't believe that he'll try to engage any quickly or cut off, as you said, any quicker. I think he's going to do his traditional thing. I think at the end of the day, you might have a couple of things that incite you in this fight, but mm-hmm. most people are going to be relatively disappointed by this fight. Just because, as they said, styles make fight. Uh-huh. And I think the particular style of the fight of Mayweather, um, to his credit, like I said, skillful in what he does, probably better than anybody that's done it before uh, from the defensive side. Of, uh, and I think that's going to be the difference in this fight. 
uh, ultimately from that. Then there are some other things that you talked about outside of the ring in terms of who's going to actually uh, officiate this fight. Yeah. And the guy that officiates this fight is somebody that officiates it to a style, again, that helps Mayweather in terms of not letting fighters engage mm-hmm. and hold yeah. and stuff like that. The particular fi- uh, official for this fight is known for breaking up that engagement relatively quickly. Some people say almost too quickly, but it, which is something that benefits Mayweather as well. Right. Uh, uh, today during the weigh-in, uh, Manny mentioned something uh, that I hope actually goes counter to what you just mentioned. I hope that guys take the fight and give the fans a fight. You know, not not the fans not be disappointed in what's going on, you know, and and what they see and what they're watching, and expecting one thing and get something else. I think uh, that is the opposite. Then, I think if Mayweather comes in with that mindset, and as you said earlier, he changes what he does, which to me just is not what Mayweather does. As much as he's braggadocious and says whatever, one thing he does, he sticks to what he does well. So I would be surprised if he decides to go in this fight and try to be a brawler, as you said, and entertain the crowd from that. I think he'll talk about doing that, but I think in actuality, he won't do it. And he'll try uh, to skate around it after the fight uh, in terms of saying that he gave the fans what he wanted. And he'll, you know, suggest that he did this or that. But I, I really think these are fighters that are really ingrained in their style and they're so old hat in terms of what they're doing that you don't have that newness in terms of a fighter that has won his first championship or a couple of championships. Because as you, as many people are saying, many people believe that this fight is five years oh, yeah. past his prime. Pacquiao so that even smile. tells you even more that these fighters are who they are. Uh, as the famous... Five years ago, Green Pacquiao would have knocked off Floyd. Green. Well, yeah, and that's something he had In my done. opinion. Five years ago. If he could have got to him, I'm well, not, that's well, again, that's my point. I, I'm, no, I'm, I don't know. I, 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 I think I, he would have got to him. Five years and, ago, and I think he would have got him. I think Pacquiao was quicker then than he is. Now I think he's slowed down. He was, he, was no, he was noticeably there's, bigger. Yeah. I think there's no question. Up, up about quicker. it. From what I saw today in the way in. No question. And you yeah. and folks can speculate on why he was bigger five years ago than he is now. Yeah, but it was only like 17 pounds. It's nothing. You know. I mean, whether it's lost the same work. But yes, you know the way I'm going without saying why. Why? Yeah, you're talking about the the steroid thing, but I I think in a lot of ways this stuff that is not. Pacquiao weighed 145 today and weighed in, and Floyd weighed 146. But over the same period of time, you're talking about fighters that have adjusted their weight to about the same weight class in terms of about 17 pounds. So it hasn't been anything significant. They're welterweights. Floyd's undefeated. Pacquiao is 57 5 2. They both fought, they've fought five common opponents. And I think this is where we can have a discussion. Kudos to this. And we talked about Styles Make Fights. There's a special on HBO where Brad Hopkins said he expected the first six rounds to be epic. He expected them to both come out throwing hands and, and really giving the fans what they want, being exciting. But then as the fight moves on, Floyd's ability to not be hit but to hit would allow him to win the fight in 12. Yeah, that's my point. I just don't. I'll be surprised. I mean, Styles made fights. Pacquiao is an aggressive fighter. Floyd is a counterpuncher. So that that framework right there should make it for a very interesting fight. Well, if they do it, I just don't think they're going to come out and do that. I just don't think 
that Pacquiao is going to be that aggressive up front because he knows in terms of tiring himself out, he knows the strategies of Mayweather, and I don't think he's going to do that. I think he might try to do it later. But, you know, let's, I mean, Floyd, let's see. Floyd is not, he is an accumulation Absolutely. puncher. He doesn't have one-punch knockout power. He's 47-0, 26 by knockout. Those are all punches accumulating over a fight mm-hmm. and the guys wearing down. Pacquiao had, had, I believe, had better power punches oh, no than he does now. No, that's, that's not even compared to Floyd than he does now. I'm not sure if he can catch if he if he caught I'm, Floyd I'm with you. that no he question. could drop Floyd with with, a, with one punch. Uh, yeah, I, no question that I believe that he had the power and the ability to do that. I just think defensively, I don't think he would have been able to catch Mayweather in such a way that he'd have been able to use that power. That's the only point I'm I'm suggesting. Not that he couldn't do it in terms of his power or his ability uh, to create those punches in such a way. I just think. That uh, Mayweather, in terms of his de- defensive strategy and tenacity, that you just can't catch him. So you well, can't land that punch that most that you would need to knock him out. The uh, five common opponents: Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Haddon, Shane Mosley, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez, and Miguel Cotto. Now, first up, it's interesting, and I got this. We'll read this article from the Daily Mail from the UK. Floyd TKO'd Ricky Haddon, but it, but it went 10 rounds. Pacquiao dropped Ricky Haddon in the second round, 2009. And boy, it was a beautiful punch that he just and dropped that's, him. That's on YouTube's top 10. Smooth caught him. I mean, beautiful. <laughs> you could tell energy left the body at that point. So, but, you know, Floyd fought him in 2007. Pacquiao fought Haddon in 2009. Haddon believes Floyd will figure out a way to beat Pacquiao. Oh, yeah. Juan Manuel Marquez, uh, we know, fought Pacquiao four times. I skipped one. Oscar De La Hoya. Let me start with Oscar De La Hoya. Go back to Oscar De La Hoya. Floyd beat Oscar, split decision, and then Pacquiao basically ended Oscar's career 2008 when when the fight was stopped. I mean, he looked, Oscar looked just past his prime, and Pacquiao way, you know, that's way better than, than Oscar. I remember that watching that at a, at a house party, watching that fight and just shaking my head. And you can see the pictures of De La Hoya after the fight against Mayweather compared to after, after Pacquiao. Oscar looks like a beaten man against, after Pacquiao, eyes swollen up, face sw- swollen after the fight against Floyd. Like he didn't even fight. You know, he barely had punches, touch, tough punches on his face. That's, that's the style of, of Floyd punching power. That's just how Floyd is. That's he, right. He accumulates punches. Uh, but Man, Juan Manuel Marquez, we, we all know, listeners know, that Pacquiao Marquez fought four times. First time was a draw, even though many people believe Juan won the first fight. 2000-2004. Split decision 2008 won to Pacquiao. 2011, Pacquiao won a majority decision. But 2012, Juan Manuel Marquez, I thought he killed Pacquiao with the punch to the to the gut that just dropped Pacquiao face first onto the canvas, and and Pacquiao didn't move for a few seconds. I, well, I thought and, he was dead. I, I was scared. Who, I was when, scared. When, he, when, he, when he hit the when he hit the canvas, who did that remind you of? 
In the heavyweight division. It was ugly. In the heavyweight division. Who you, who you going with? It's got to be a Mike Tyson victim. Uh, pick, I think pick it, one. Um, I think it was Michael a, Spinks. I mean, pick no, one. No, no, this is it was somebody big. Uh, I, I can't even think of the guy's name now. But big, it, big it, as in name or big in size? Big in size. I, I it was the first time I'd seen a tree fall <laughs> <laughs> to the rubbish. That's it, Trevor. Trevor Burke looked like he had a convulsion. He, Dude, he I, Doc, it was like a head that turned to the like, side. It was it was typical yeah. movie. Head turned to the side, eyes closed, and he was like, bam. Yeah. And just top over just like a tree. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And folks just like looked at it. Was, and it was like, watched it, saw it happen. It was this split second moment of, of, of silence. Then all of a sudden, this roar just went up in, in everybody's closed circuit TV situation. Yeah, everybody's like, did I just see what I just <laughs> Yeah. Saw? It was like, Damn, what happened? <laughs> and then the fifth fight, Floyd, both both Floyd and Pacquiao won unanimous decisions over Shane Mosley. Floyd beat him 2010, Pacquiao 2011. But in the second round of the Mosley Mayweather fight, Shane caught Floyd. He caught him, and I remember people, ooh. But he couldn't close. And that, exactly. He Floyd, couldn't Floyd, close. Floyd adjusted. Yeah. You got me. You ain't going to get me again. Yeah. And he didn't get him the rest of the fight. Right. And Floyd did his thing and won the fight going away. And that's <laughs> another thing, tomorrow. why I don't think whether it's <laughs> going to test it against Pacquiao. And like you said, if he happens to have landed him one in those first two, as you ultimately think, maybe first five rounds, <laughs> he's not going to let him catch him again. You know that? And last but not least, uh, Floyd against Cotto. Unanimous decision, 2012. Uh, TKO, Pacquiao, Bakoto in the 12th round in 2009. Mm-hmm. I think Miguel's a better fighter now than he was then. Of those fights, mm-hmm. which fight for Pacquiao is most similar to what he will have to do against Mayweather? Then I'll, propose, I'll pose the second part of that question and say, well, of the, which of, the of those five fighters is most similar for Mayweather to Pacquiao? I mean, one man will Marquez fight similar to, to Floyd because one is a counter puncher, right? And counter punching gives Pacquiao problems, right? And ultimately, you saw what man Juan did in the last of the four f- fights. Right. He dropped Pacquiao, so counter punch. See that? I, you know, reading this article and seeing other things, and you know, I'm a fight fan. I love, I love boxing. Love the street yeah, science. To your credit, you really are. So I, I believe that's why I believe I. See, we're going to lead into my another part of another discussion about this. Is I think many people want Pacquiao to win, right? I think because they don't like Floyd. Correct. Is it as a person or a boxer? Because because that's if you, well, they oh, don't boxing, like him as a person. It's a person because boxing wise, most you have people to tell Floyd you, as a yeah, boxer. Ain't no question. Yeah, yeah. Boxing wise, he, he's overwhelmingly one of, most yeah. people. But as a person, they can't stand. I, him. I think he's an ass. Yeah. So that's that's me, and I think other folks agree, you know, agree with that. Yeah, who well. we even think more disingenuous than you are, or you know, we'd call it even worse. You know, like, oh yeah, he's a criminal, and he's in a you know, uh, the way it was a word word that is used nowadays, the T H U G. I refuse to even yeah. say it anymore because it's connotated to the other to to the to the N word. Yeah, but I believe. I mean, like I said, with my heart. I'd like for Pacquiao to win, but my brain yeah. believes Floyd's going to win in 12. That's what helps me a little bit with this fight. I'm not a really a big boxing fan, um, just how brutal 
the fight is as I moved away from NFL. I probably moved away from boxing even more so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is some uh, sport components of it in terms of the sweet science of boxing that I understand and can communicate and talk about, obviously. But that's why I can kind of distance myself from emotion. I have no affinity uh, for Mayweather, neither Pacquiao, uh, for whatever different reason. So I just look at it as a major business event uh, that happens to be in the sport of boxing. And that's the framework I have, uh, come from. So that's why, for me, it's not even hard to really say Mayweather because it's truly just about the sport. What what do you say? I got Floyd winning twelve. Yeah. Mm. First, personally, and for a couple of reasons. Okay. One, it's in Vegas. There you go. Floyd owns Vegas. It's okay. his place. It's his. It's he owns Vegas. So if if by some miracle it goes to the cards, ain't no way in hell the he judges won't give it to Floyd. Now, That's correct. I'm glad you said that because man lives in Las Vegas. He, he uh, uh, he's if, able to get his. That was a comment mentioned this morning. All of his, yes, all of you know that's places. home for him. You know that's home. And there's a reason why. Uh, he will only fight. He in Vegas. puts he puts a lot of money, a lot of folks' pockets in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a nightly basis. Yeah, folks. He hangs out court, court everywhere. On, court officials on down. Yep. Yeah, Box right. commission on down. Yeah. And that explains yeah, a lot of his off. Situations, but staying with the topic though, because of the fact that you just said it's in Vegas, a comment was mentioned this morning. If you leave it in the judge's hands, that's a you problem. Talking about Pacquiao, yeah. If you intend on winning, he's got to knock Floyd out. Honestly, I, I believe you, that you got to drop gotta him. Him You got to drop him. Not, no, I didn't say that he can. I just but to, to win, like Chris. you got to knock him out. If if you and I don't been there, I, I, I don't watched a lot you of fights over now. He can will knock him out. I don't think so now, no. because he's not the same upper body strength. His legs and all are still uh, are where they need to be. But in boxing, that's a balance. And I watched too many guys over the years. So you think he can land a punch? punch. They would knock him out, but he no longer has the power they, yeah. to knock him. He out. He doesn't have the step, and and now he has to put too much step in. And body behind it, which is dangerous. Which is, yeah, because now you leave yourself open exactly. on the on the other side on the counterpoint, which is what and you already and you you are which there. causing problems in the Koto fight as we talked about earlier. Because That's when you, it, I've seen guys Pacquiao fans out there, they even in in training, step in too quickly, land a punch, and know that's their punch, and all of a sudden, lights out, bam. Get the, the folks are rushing to the ring, getting the headsets off of them, and trying to revive. Just because he stepped wrong and stayed there too long. And I think over time, both of these guys don't have the speed anymore to withdraw quick enough. You know, Pacquiao, you, he, in his prime, he had quick feet. He didn't have Floyd feet, quick no. foot quickness. But, but he, had, he, he, he was had good enough to, to step back. move and get out of the way. You're right. And, you know, and Great hit point. and not get hit. As the time years are going by, that slowed yeah, down for him. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Father time catching up. Father time is may have all the time. And tomorrow we'll find out how far the hit has come up. Just like Mother Nature. Hey, yeah. some things you can't, you can't deny. You'll find out too long, you know, a long 
too too much down the road, and then all of a sudden, bam. Yeah. I'd have stayed in here too long. If you can figure it out, you'll find out if you can't figure it out, I should say. But touching on Floyd and his domestic his, oh, crim- uh, his before, criminal activity. Before you get that, let me let me put my, my, my time out. Um I'm gonna go with ten rounds, TKL. Somebody's not gonna answer the bell. And uh Okay. Who? <laughs> right. I don't think You talking about the tease. I don't think Pacquiao is gonna answer the bell in ten rounds. Wow. And the only reason I say that is because of what we just talked about. What I just mentioned. Stepping in too quickly or at the right I supposedly your mind told you, Yeah, I landed that first punch. Let me get this second one around. And don't have the speed and all the step to, to bring the head back or the body back. Mm. Fast enough. Great analysis. And folks, I'm talking about looking, watching, watching up close, real close. I was at the um, Cedar Chavez and uh, Pernell Whitaker in, in San Antonio. Um, if you ask me, it's different than watching it on TV, isn't it, folks? Doc, I'm, I'm we sitting around a table. I was maybe six feet away from the ring, and had some uh, some coworkers that I, I begged them to come go with me to San Antonio because I was working down in Victoria at the time. That's like an hour and a half away. Nobody wanted to go, but the next day they was all like, "Damn, I should have went." It's a guy. You're not gonna get another big fight like this in San Antonio because they was doing the part where when uh, when that guy, hometown guy, was going through his his issues and stuff, you know, and they was about to take his license. But I, I'm gonna I'm I'm stay with that just because time has caught up, and I like the way in the day is what I was looking for. I watched it closely. Pacquiao is not the same upper body guy that he was five years ago. Just go back and check. Just go back and look. It's a different person. His legs are where they need to be, but most boxes are. That's just something that doesn't leave. Because they not going they build up those to keep from falling down when getting hit. They put the upper body strength on to not have to work so hard and putting punches together. Put just enough stress on the on the on the body and all to, to to get things done. And when they need to land that punch, land it. And I done seen heavyweights all the way down to flyweights work out. And I've watched Evander work out. I watched George work out. I've seen. Who are you, man? Who am I? I am the fifth ward wildcat. I am the college sports reporter. Because I want to let the listeners know, we are three three well-rounded classic men. <laughs> are we? Are we? To use are we Renaissance men? Classic a, men? Are we, the, classic, are, we the, are we the one? A term yeah. that uh, no question may be. In some form or fashion, we ain't playing at this. The, we ain't playing at this. Because I love the song "Classic Man" by Jadena, J I D E N N A. Much love and much respect to him and the song and Janelle Monae with her talented, beautiful self. But um, check it out if you haven't seen the video. Trust me, watch the video, listen to the song, watch the video especially. But you are who again, sir? I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. A classic Week, man. Cl- college sports report.
How J can folks find you, sir? JL Woodley One on Facebook and Twitter. Tweet Deck. Uh, you can find me at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report on Blogger, SoundCloud, YouTube. I think that's all I have right now. And hold and hold that. I'll get to you in a second, Doc. Let everybody know who you are in a second. Sure. You said you were the college sports reporter, but you a second ago you were dropping knowledge about boxing, sir. Is that correct? Am yeah. I understand that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I've watched that. I paid attention to what's going on. I've paid attention. I've gotten up at four o'clock in the morning and gone to to to, to workouts and stuff. I've watched uh, things going in a in a. <laughs> in a gym that uh because we <laughs> it, it shouldn't happen then i've also stayed late we've you know, seen at 12 a lot o'clock in at night years. after rockets game and going right. and, and watch the workouts the three Guys of us have, have seen a lot in our years i just want different. the listeners to to know that we do have experience when we are discussing issues in our podcast especially if you ask for them you know we we didn't just fall off the truck yesterday i hope not so we do have Knowledge. I eat trainers every day. And we do know, <laughs> and we do have contacts, friends, and connections. Yes, you do. To uh, help us, help the listeners with uh, insight. So thank you, Wildcat. And, and, and you said Floyd going to win at 10 TKO. Yeah. Okay. Doc, you said going 12. Yeah, Floyd. Going 12 to full flight. Now. I got Floyd too in 12. So. I, I'm going to say this. Because uh, the person still hasn't, or the people, those three people still hadn't texted me back. Neither one of them, and I know they're working, but they're not working. Because they are there. At least they should be. They told me they would be. I'll find out tomorrow when I get there. But uh, I had, had texted someone to send me some prop bit information. <laughs> and, you know, with you don't have to just call back or, you know, send me a fax or whatever. You can just take a photo with your, with your phone and all and send it to me. I had got any piece of information. Might you know, be having I, a little too much fun. Doc. Yeah. Look here. Prop bets is business. So, you know, because <laughs> you if you're getting some of that, you need to let me know as well. So. Uh, but, now, it's, it's, it's interesting because I remember the last big fight that was really put some money on. The first Tyson and Holyfield fight. And, folks, let me tell you, these numbers here, they changed today. The but the, the numbers changed in this fight, earlier this week, like Monday, when folks got the veils, Holyfield and, and uh, Tyson didn't change until after the weigh-in. Because once folks got a, uh, a clue at seeing Holyfield and Tyson stand next to each other, started biting. Because you, you when you know what you're looking at, you can tell, okay, he read it. You know, because Holyfield was coming off his health yeah, issues. Uh, it had been extended because Tyson had had had, had uh, a ham issue in the first uh, early on, and they had to cancel the fight. And now he was in this mean mode. We was gonna all find out about, and basically we had labeled it Christian against the devil. <laughs> it, it had been going. It, oh yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of tense. It was ugly. But I'm gonna tell you now. When they when they got down to fight uh, fight night, we all saw somebody wasn't ready and somebody was. Yeah, that's, good. And that's another slant that some folks have taken on this fight: good versus evil. Yeah, 
I mean, that, some that's people. That's why I mentioned, you know, whether yeah. it's the, the boxer and the, and the man. Yeah. It's a difference. Some people believe, you know, Floyd is evil and, and Pacquiao is, is a God-fearing Christian and this, that, and the other. He was wearing it today. You know, all these he things. Was and that's it why today. they're going to support Pacquiao. So, like I said, good versus evil. So that's one slant. Another reason, another way to get people to spend their money <laughs> on this fight. <laughs> and it's, it's a money being spent. And, you know, HBO is Showtime. Urge everyone who wants to think about getting to, to fight, buy the fight pay-per-view to get your orders in early. Here's a quote that's in the Sports Business Daily. Quote, urge those who plan to buy the fight to order early to avoid possible problems late. You know. So, you know. Volume. Volume. I mean, they're saying that the pay-per-view orders are tracking higher than they have ever seen and that initial numbers have been so robust there are concerns the system might not be able to handle the surge of buyers. End wow. quote. But nobody will find out until tomorrow. Because right now, you know, everybody's just ordering. No, he's saying way. they they over the number normal. But usually when that, when that happens. But I think what he, you're referring <laughs> to, you're correct, that it's going to pick up. Somebody will sleep tomorrow yeah, oh, yeah. the fight, and that's why they're making that thing. You were going to add a comment in terms of boxing early in Woodley's um, jumped in there and started talking about the framework of the fight, which I thought was a beautiful analysis. Do you recall where you were going to? That's, that's the, the the slant on Floyd and his arrest, his domestic violence issues, and ESPNW has this week a, a lot brought more attention to how it seems that uh, Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, the NFL football players receive much harsher criticism and feedback for their domestic violence cases than Floyd has for his multiple domestic violence. You know, Floyd did time for some of his problems, but that kind of just is pushed to the side. Yeah, you know? I, I think he yeah, was at think, home. No, I think there's one huge component that everybody missed when they were looking at what ESPN was going for was the fact time and place. All Mayweather's incidents was prior to what? I'm at a loss, Doc. They were prior to the incident that happened with J.R. Rice. In terms of his... Oh, okay. I got you. So you have pre-Rice. So pre-Ray Rice. Pre-Ray Rice, so pre-RR, if you would, and post-R, Ray Rice, in terms of that. And the key thing that everybody also has forgotten over time, which we do a lot in terms of history or revisionist history, or sometimes we just lapse, is the key component that really set Ray Rice off was the fact what? That was a video. That we saw the video. Yeah. Because if you remember, that's one thing Florida said repeatedly. Ain't no pictures, ain't no video. There's, you had, there's nothing to see. <laughs> That's true. Right. He, he said it over and over. He said, if he thought that, where is it? Ain't nobody seen no video. Yeah. And so that's the key thing that yeah. to me that, that really takes all this is yes, the NFL started treating things differently with Peterson and, but that was all because of what? Ray Rice. Post Ray Rice. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so they changed and some people would argue that they changed the, to the fact that they're not even following their own guidelines and policies, which is a whole nother discussion 
in and of itself, obviously. But I think that was one of the key components when you look at the fact that there are two components. Is this was pre-R&R, Ray, Ray Rice, if you would, and the fact there was no video, which really shocked the public. Okay. Um, I finally got my – I found some props online that are going – this, I'm going to tell you how much it has changed. There are parlays now, and we've all heard them today and earlier this week. And once I get to Vegas tomorrow, I'm going to make a couple. Uh, Florida Mayweather wins the fight along with the winner of the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. It's parlayed into a uh, – both Pacquiao and Mayweather have their own parlays set up. Uh, I mean, the, the – the, the best are set up on, for the, at the sports books, and they are handled online and and in person. That's It'll a, be that's a sight to see when you go to consider oh, the those prop bets. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I, that's back when the Sahara used to be was was the uh, the hotel on the strip. That was the book for everybody that, that set the book for everybody. Yeah, I remember looking at it quite uh, a bit when I'm in the Bahamas looking at it. Uh, and I tell you how far along how far back. And I'm talking about the the old Sahara, not the new one that they rebuilt. I'm talking about the old one where you could go and get a meal for a a dinner <laughs> meal. <laughs> with everything. A buffet was six fifty one. <laughs> That's including tax. And folks, that it, only the old only only the old uh, Vegas people would know how long ago that's been, and that's been a while. But it's it's interesting how they, you know, uh, betting has has gone to the point now where you can pretty much bet on anything. And also their prop bets and all changed for the NFL last night just because of who got drafted. Hmm. You know, the, the lines and all checks uh, it didn't change a whole lot, but uh, the two teams that picked up quarterbacks that numbers changed this morning. Yeah, you know it's it's all relevant relevant these days. But uh, two hundred dollars won't get you what you used to get no more in in Vegas. On you got to remember they have mad, you know they many people use the term mad scientists, but they actually have mad mathematicians. Oh yeah, statisticians. They still do a lot of that by by hand. Yeah, but they they lean a lot more of it towards the the aggregated numbers that. Uh, Allow them to put in frameworks to create these decisions for these prop bets, where they tend to be on the win side more than not. Oh yeah, <laughs> the house got to get theirs. Got to get theirs. You know, you, you you can go out there and get a streak going, and we've all been there at least once. You but, have any thoughts on the Kentucky Derby? You gonna make a wager? Uh America, I'm going with the favorite tomorrow on the, uh, because I'm, I'm betting long shots and all on the uh, on the fight. So I'm gonna go with uh, favorite on the on the on the horse. It's American Pharaoh. Yeah, five to two favorite. Through yeah. my through my uh, lunch outings at the job, I had the chance to uh, you make that you make that move. Here, <laughs> lunch to uh, check out some of the races. So you so you ate lunch across the way? So oh no no not today. I I'm not placed. No, I ain't talking about. I'm talking about today. I'm just oh, uh, no. you you go by that. Oh yeah we oh yeah we we I made a few. Okay, that's all I want though. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't go I didn't crazy. Do very well <laughs> for, for the most part, but uh, but you see you, you see what? Well, yeah, we me and my coworkers stopped by a couple of times during lunch to catch a race or two, then go back to the office, but um, <laughs> I may be 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 by there tomorrow. See if I can. Place a a wager on the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, you I'll know. take the field. 
it's just something about being a mathematician, statistician that and you, it, it, makes it unfair for me to, to not, be excited about. Yeah, I just can't. I, I understand. You know, and I, and I, I will say this: I did, I'm not a betting man, as you said. The uh, I did take the long shot on the uh, 18, 19, you and twenty. You see what happened when we put up the stakes? It didn't work yeah. out in my favor. Well, the stake. I still have the multiple stakes. <laughs> And we don't know about that yet. Yeah, we haven't gotten there. <laughs> but uh, I, I am going to take a uh, four long shots to uh, eighteen, nineteen, and and uh, what? Well, yeah, yeah, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty hole. Need to uh, chat with Mr. Month. Cooper and see what he's going to do. If he, if he has, uh, I didn't get a chance to, to, to check him out today. It, 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 I imagine it was interesting. Uh, a wager on the, the derby. You know, this is yeah. I didn't hear. He didn't really get to talk to us about it as much. They were so into the fight quite a bit. So yeah, what? Well, because. This, and he'll tell you, it's been a while since we've been this enthralled about a, uh, a Vegas weekend for a fight. Right. And I'm, I'm just saying a weekend because no, you're right. we, we've all gone out there and stayed a week. You know, and I've gone and, and stayed well, at least five days. out there, I thought, tomorrow. No. Yeah, think about tomorrow. that now. I remember, when, and, and trust me, I remember when all of us would, be, would leave town and go, I would drive. Because it was cheaper then, and they would go, they would fly out, and uh, <laughs> and and Vegas wasn't wasn't the town it is now. Vegas, wow. Yeah, he's talking about he, yeah. And I, I mean, Vegas, on the serious yes. side, and folks, I'm talking about doing it in a in a 24 hour period when when I didn't have anything to, <laughs> I had to worry about nobody he riding was, with me, nobody saying, hey, you driving too slow. Uh, you, you're driving too fast. You, you need to get stuck, pull over and let somebody else drive. Yeah, I ain't had to hear that. Yeah, I ain't had to do that. All I had was every time I stopped for gas, I did what I needed to do. Got back in the car, bam. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, and for the folks that, uh, remember, the white suburban was rolling down the highway a lot. I, it was rolling down the highway a lot. I used to scare them. But like I told them though, time tickets, those time receipts, time stepping on the receipts and all, once they, I, get, I handed a, a handful of them back to Ralph and the boys. They they looked at me with this look and says, "Until I saw it, I never would have believed it." Mm. I take my time coming back, but going out there, oh yeah, I get out work on a Thursday, and boom. I roll it. I'm rolling. Let's let's talk rockets. They dispatched of the broken down old Dallas Mavericks in five, like I predicted. One but of the few bases I got right in the first round. But can they so can far. they can they disperse a broke a broken down an old man down the road? The more since the me. Clippers and the Spurs are, are now going seven. The Clippers bench being shaky, and that was even before Glenn Big Baby Davis sprained his ankle last night in Game Six. So his his health his status is shaky yeah. now. The Spurs, Tony Parker's dealing with the Achilles problems. Tim and, Duncan's old. Shadow Splitter's dealing with calf problems. The longer it goes, I'm beginning to lean toward picking the Rockets to get out of the second round. <laughs> lean toward it now. Uh, so you're lean. not going you're not going to just step out there and just, and just I might get on that limb and saying it's going to happen <laughs> and, just yet. And jump off and say yeah. But the bad, but the bad thing is uh, seriously, um, before our next podcast, the series second round series with Rockets in versus the Clippers or the Spurs, at least two games, two games in. So we need to just make predictions in this podcast, either or scenario. Game one, Rockets host whoever. Yeah. Monday, May fourth, eight thirty. Holly, eight thirty starts. Man, oh man, 
those kill hey. those kill me you know but at least I don't it's not a west coast until one o'clock uh, you know so uh, i mean it's but I thought I had bad just Don. at the house. <laughs> so why? I'm house clocking out at twelve thirty. I'm gonna I'm tell you that. Yeah, that I I'm, to go I'm, lean in mud. So I'm clocking out at twelve thirty. So and, yeah, and I I leave them now. Yeah, they okay. I, I, they don't see me in the in the elevator in the, when they when they coming out. That that tells them so that, that's, that's how late the fans leave. Oh, oh they, they leave it. Game's over at eleven o'clock. Yeah. Right. Okay. Some some of them. Yeah, Some of them. diehard fans hang around. Get well, I know diehard. Yeah, I think generally, what time fans leave about yeah, eleven o'clock? So that means in yeah. Houston area, they're getting home eleven, 11 thirty. Yeah. So and just go to uh, my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review, or the the men's hoops blog of the Round Bar Review for uh, my write up. Excellent right of the game. Thank you, sir. And um, but yeah, Rockets game one and game two was Wednesday, May six, also at eight thirty. Rockets Clippers. I'm gonna give my two predictions either way, and then I'm gonna go to you and let the folks know Doc, who you are. I give your predictions as well, and how folks can find you on the, the internet. Um, I'm gonna say if the Rockets play the Clippers, Rockets, and one of the reasons for this is the bench is playing better. You got Josh Smith and Corey Bruton did not have a good series against the Mavericks. I think he'll play better. An issue with the Mavs. Uh, Rondo was he flamed out. They could dispatch him quickly. He's done. He's no longer Mav. Was that uh, uh, before you get this? And uh, this on a quick. That was a horrible situation. What part? Uh, the, the Rondo situation. It didn't. It, it was nothing good out of that. They, the Mavs. That. They swung for the fences and they made the trade and it didn't work. You know it and didn't it's still work. A question mark on, on Chandler, uh, Chandler Parsons. Chandler had surgery today. Uh, I think he had his knee scoped, and based on what was discovered in the knee, determine how long he's going to be out. Uh-huh. So, but the Mavericks, they may have up to 11 free agents. And, um, so we'll see what they're going to have a busy offseason. Wow. That's and a lot. You can listen I mean, to Rick Carlisle, his post game after the loss of the Rockets in game five. He, he gives credit to the Rockets, call them a le- legit team, wishes them well in the second round, and says they're a very good team. And he said the Mavericks have work to do this this offseason, point blank. So that's at the Houston Round Bar View. You know, you can go to my channel, YouTube channel, see the other, other spots as well for that, and post game with Dwight and Josh and, and Kevin McHale. But listening to Kevin McHale, I still don't believe he's he's great at X's, X's and O's. And that's a but she's gotten better. He the players believe him. They believe and in him. You know who that sounds like? Rudy T. They, hey, thank you. I, I, somebody they, said, they played they for him when he, and he, and obviously he's, he had a Hall of Fame NBA career. They trust it. They, they trust, they trust him. That. And when, when he says, you know, just some of his post game comments about guys, you know, just stick with it. Just keep grinding it out. It'll get better. You're, you're going to miss shots. Things happen. This is yep. basketball. It's the playoffs. It's not going to be easy. You yep. know, it seems like common sense things. It's working. But coming from a man who's been through it, it helps the players. Yeah. Coach is right. I just, I just keep sticking with it, stick with the game plans, take good shots, whatever. We're going to turn this around. Those, that's the belief, I think. And I'm going to tell you who says that a lot. As far Dwight Howard. As they have. Dwight Howard says that a lot. He says, we, Coach talks about his time and all, you know, when they were struggling all during the playoffs, when they were, especially against the Lakers. He said, you know, we just grinded. We knew it was going to be more than four games. It was just mentally. We would just believe it ain't it, it, nobody's gonna sweep nobody. We gonna get a chance to go home just like they playing at home. We are gonna take our shot. 
and we're just going to grind this out, and we're gonna, it's going to work in our favor, and we're just going to get things done. Not to cross over back to the field in terms of college basketball, but one of the things people have complained about in terms of college basketball that, it, that it's gotten ugly in a lot of ways, I think one component of that is overcoaching. No question. Oh. So as you're alluding to in, in the NBA, I don't think you see a great deal of overcoaching. There are some coaches that are really good, and how you usually measure a coach in terms of how good he is oftentimes is the fact of what he does coming out of timeouts, how does he manage the clock late in type games, uh, how he may do a couple of nuances in terms of timeouts in a, a game, in terms of filling the game of when he should take a player out in terms of in unique situations where they might get in some foul trouble. Uh, but if you think about that, uh, whether you do that at the highest level, if you're decently mm-hmm. effective that, then the other part of the game that I think that you're alluding to now becomes your mental state of the game. And how does a coach allow you to get mentally uh, prepared for a game? So if you think about it from players that are transitioning from college and oftentimes being overcoached and not really allowing maybe their skill set to really um, play out in a game, and now you go to a place where you're actually able to hone your skills in terms of the professional uh, professional level, spend the amount of time that you need to be uh, on it, then I think what you're saying provides even more, makes more sense in that framework, I should say. So I think that's an excellent point that you bring up. In terms of my keys to that game, if I had to Hold on. run it. Hold that thought. Sure. Because I'm going to piggyback off that and be a negative toward Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, I think all three of us and many people believe, is a better coach than Kevin McHale. True. Rick Carlisle overcoached and went too far with his hacker whoever, uh, I believe in game, I think it was game five. Um, either game five or, or game two. The Mavs had pulled within two points late second quarter, 34 seconds left in the second, in the quarter. Decided to foul Josh Smith. No reason. It's Hacker Smith. I told our colleague Max Edison, it's a mistake. Josh made the first free throw, missed the second free throw. Clint Capella, rookie big man for the Rockets, got the rebound, kicked it out to James Harden, buried a three-pointer to end the second quarter. Rockets went up, set a team being up by just two. They were up six. Third quarter. Momentum carried. The lead grew to double digits. Mavs never recovered. Overcoaching. Shot is wide. Right there. So so things like that happen when you overcoach. Sometimes you got to have a feel for the game. Just let players play. Last night was the Clippers and the Spurs. Spurs were ahead and did hack a DeAndre. Did it so much. Tim Duncan picked up his second foul. Misread the signal. Because he thought they wanted to. Pop wanted him to foul DeAndre. Nope. The Spurs overthought it. They were fouling DeAndre so much, then they realized we need to stop fouling. DeAndre made a few free throws. The Clippers gained momentum. Spurs lost momentum. Spurs ended up losing the game. You overthink this stuff sometimes. Stepped outside of your bounds. So like that fight tomorrow. That's you stepped out too far. Things things like that happened. My prediction is real quick. Rockets over Clippers in six. Rockets, Spurs. Boy. <laughs> I'm gonna say it now. It, 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 will it depend you know, on, on Rockets not having an injuries? In oh, no question. Injuries are a big part of everything. Which I can. I'm talking about with the Spurs. I'm not worried oh, about no. the Clippers. If Tony Parker's hurt for the whole series. Rockets will win in five. 
you know, if he's out for the series, he, yeah, Patty Mills may be good, but he ain't Tony Parker. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> well, then, all right, then that, I, I'll take I'll the matchup inside. I'll take Rockets in seven if, over the Spurs. Okay, well, I'll take the matchup inside then. Tim Duncan. You know, will he? how much will he be? A, a, you folks keep talking about he's getting old and all. He's, he looked okay the other night. Tim Duncan has played, a, has played he, great. He's played within himself and realized what he what in, he can and what he can't do and, and, and when to do it. He's played great against the Clippers. He's had double-doubles, scored, done well. But the Spurs played soft last night. Game six was in – where was where was game six? San Antonio. The Spurs, the the mighty, mighty Spurs, the dynasty of the NBA the last 20 years. Yeah. Played soft in a closeout game at home. That shouldn't happen. I expect the Clippers to win tomorrow, assuming Chris Paul plays like Chris Paul and not Cliff Paul. <laughs> so if yeah, that happens, he can't do that too often. Though. As great as, and I'm not because winning a championship is hard on any level. Yeah, Spurs will have five rings. Yeah, no back to backs. To me, that still separates you from the, those teams who have won back to back. Back to back, winning back to back is hard, harder to do than just winning. Oh one. yeah, I agree. And you can ask anybody on those on, on any of those teams, they'll tell you going back the second time around. Yeah, back I think to back that's hard, why some people, to some degree, question how do you measure them in terms of the dynasty. Obviously, the five championships puts them in a, in a different stratosphere, but I'm not sure it's exactly equal to those teams that have well, won championships and at least put in a back to back somewhere down the line. And let me say this: <laughs> What's been the basis of, of, of the, all five of those? A few of those. Were in, in the lockout season. It's a couple of those, but, uh, the but they last still two. Won. They still uh, well, won. Let's go with they the last count. two then. The, the last two, the teams were totally different from. Well, the first the, one was David Robinson led. You know, team, you know, but but the, but the second David Robinson, David Johnson on the first one, I believe. Yeah. Then yeah. he had, then the Tony Parker came in. Well, they, I mean, they, you they know they're going to be different teams because they're not winning anything back to back. So you so have some natural changes from year to year. And you need but definitely going to get some changes game seven. in terms of. Uh, two and three years between. While Leonard needs to play well in Game Seven, yeah. Danny Green needs to do more, needs to do more than just stand outside a three point line and be like. But Trevor I told Reason. you before this series that I was picking Clippers in seven, mm-hmm. and my rationale was I thought the Clippers were just going to be a little more desperate, and I think that's really what's coming out in this game. Is San Antonio's relatively playing well, but I think Clippers are playing some desperate basketball. They let, in many people's eyes, they let one game slip away. Yeah, uh, that they, they they lost their cool, they lost their focus. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the game and, when Chris Paul had that see, look on his face. See, that that's the thing. Young, I say young, but inexperienced teams tend to lose focus. Right. But if the Clippers have matured like they did, in, like they showed in Game Six, right. if they don't lose focus, then maybe they're the better team. I think they are in terms of this case uh, because they're playing with that desperate act of wanting to. Uh, show that they're a good team. And I think, generally speaking, people realize that they're a pretty good team. As you said, they just have shown lack of maturity in different situations to close out games, which will allow them to make it through the playoffs. And I think this is the year where they get to show that they're And Doc Rivers last night, he went to his bench, er- his bench early to give those starters some rest. Some rest. And give his bench a little more and, confidence because you're going to be confident see, second early half, in the the starters were rested more, and they played better in the fourth quarter. Yeah, see, that's part of it as well. Who are you, Doc? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Kaville, the sports professor, aka the data doctor. 
professor of, of sports management here at Texas Southern University. And you can reach me on the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. In terms of my specialty, that is in in regards to covering HBCU sports, but as you can tell, I cover all sports. You can find some of my work on the HRR, the Houston Roundball Review, particularly interest of basketball, both men's and women's, polling oftentimes during the year and different uh, All-American awards and things of that nature that comes out at the end of the year. You can also find my work at times on the Anodon. That often is for all sports and special intakes that I have, which is for football, men's and women's basketball as well. We're going to talk, just touch on a few things. I didn't really get, go ahead. Give you, I want you to give me your prediction. Your prediction. And I didn't think about that as I was getting excited about giving my information. Predictions. If it's San Antonio, I'm going to match what you say in terms of it going seven. And I believe the Rockets can win a home game in seven against San Antonio. And they'll find a way to get it to seven games because I, I don't think San Antonio's playing with the desperate uh, action they did in terms of last year, in terms of being so close and frustrated about not getting it done. I think like you've seen with the Miami in different years that playing in the playoffs, particularly making it to championship runs, when you're talking about five, six, seven games in one year, five, six in another year, that that's starting to add up in terms of particular team uh, that is a little older in some key positions, as well as, unfortunately for them, some of these injuries that are playing out in regard. So I think that's why they're not going to win same Gavin, but it's also the reason if they find a way, because they are the champions and they could win in L.A., that they'll still have to go seven games with the Rockets. The Rockets will get it done and finally close them out. If it's the Clippers – I think Rockets still get it done, um, but I think it goes six. And and you, sir, what do you say? So Doc and I agree, both scenarios. What do you say? Clippers, yeah. I'm not, I don't see that being a fight. Uh, <laughs> I just don't. So you don't see five games? I see five games. I see five games. Wow. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because of what we've all mentioned. Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Chris Paul and Chris Paul. Five games for who? For, for, for the Rockets or for the Clippers? For the Rockets. Those three guys have yet to have a night together in, this, in the playoffs. It's one thing to do that in the regular season, but in the playoffs, if you're getting three guys that's having a night together, hard to it's hard to beat. You sure and when, when you look back on teams that have won here recently in the, in the, in the uh, in championships, it's been three guys every night. Whether it be the same three guys or not, it doesn't matter. But three guys have got it done every night. But those three guys are what carry the Clippers. The rest of those guys are helping out. You know, they don't they don't cause a, a Jamal a situation. Crawford, who I call buckets. If he gets hot, <clears throat> now that's scary. That's something. If he gets hot, he's something. That's a else. different world. That's what they call a different world. Now that's a game changer. So, you know he. But I'm not sure he can get hot for a series. He can get hot for a game or two, but I know about three, four games to help carry the Clippers over the hump. All right, Wildcat. Yeah. Were you at uh, Thursday's yeah. soiree? 
Yes. Introducing and, uh, Hunter Juracek, the new, what's his title, official title? His official title is Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics at the University of Houston. That's his official title. That's a fancy way of saying AD, right? Apparently Athletics so, director. but I didn't, know, I didn't know it was listed as that until uh, I was hand mouth. The last... Um, yeah, but that it, was a but he wasn't originally announced that oh. on his day of reckoning. It wasn't until down the road, as they say, with money situation to increase it. You change titles, doctors. You know, it's, that's something that you mention all the time when you want to keep somebody around. You change titles and you add situations. Absolutely. But that's what the, that, that's his official title. Um, Hunter gave a, a good speech. I was impressed, more so as everyone else. Jim Nance is Jim Nance. He's a cougar through and through. He sure is. Bless him. And I'm going to tell you, he he put everything on hold in between events and did this. But just because he was asked, and that tells me he is the cougar. I don't care what nobody says because he could have been doing other things. And he has. It's, it was good to see Jim be a part of it. It's good to see Jim still. It's good to see he the cares. school has not burned a, a bridge with he, Jim he Nance cares. like they have burned bridges with other prominent alums. He cares. I, won't I get mean, into, he truly cares. I won't name names, but trust me, they have pissed off some folks in, in athletics in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And, and Wildcat knows I'm telling the truth. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that. Now, I did. Here's something mentioned the other day, uh, Thursday morning, and it bothered me. It also surprised me because I have yet to find a, uh, any information on it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to stick by the conversation that, that was meant, to, uh, that was mentioned. There are no U of H alumni that are athletic directors on in Division One in administration. I'm talking about the head guy in charge, not the assistant, but the head guy in charge. Yeah, and the closest we have is, is assistant. Yeah, in the Pac-12. And <clears throat> that person didn't didn't make the final for whatever reason. And I'm not going to get into specifics, uh, but, but let me just say this, if I may, sir. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, Hunter Yurichek was going was as soon as Mac left, the job was Hunter's. Okay. Okay. I'll just put it like that. The interview process was nice and thank you, blah, 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 blah. The job of Hunter is to lose. I'll just put it and, like that. And, and that's where I'm going with this. Because several things were mentioned, especially during the interview process. And, and that's what they were looking for from Hunter. He had to prove he could be his own man. And according to the committee, that's what he did. And that's how he ended up with the job. He proved that he could be his own man and lead them to the promised land. But he said something that I hope all Cougars here, and I've been saying this, and KG will back me up because I say it often, when they start whining, especially a lot of you all, until the day that you make a decision that you're not going to have a bitter pill and do what you need to do to get facilities in the in the right direction. You're gonna stay where you are. You know your programs can change athletically, and we've seen that. But your facilities, 
need some work. And I'm going to tell you, getting how fine done is just part of it. Hunter mentioned something the other day that I hadn't, it hadn't even crossed my mind. The track and field situation is below par. I mean, from what, the, from the, out of his mouth, it needs to change and quickly. Hopefully they, they, they he said they, they are in the process of getting some things done financially to correct that. But you've got a, a, a national a program that can't do what they need to do to to get there, and you've also got the women's golf program is, is headed off to the NCAA. The tournament, the track and field program overall is probably the most successful of all the sports, consistently successful of all the sports at U of H. They've done more with less, trust me, than any any sport on campus. Which is just another another example, example of how we. Do not put our money where our mouth is. Period. We say what we say we want to be big time program. Not going. We don't follow up to do things that a big time program, big time program do to get things done. We don't go to the red and white games for football. Nope. We don't go to basketball games. We don't go to baseball games. We don't, we barely support women's athletics at all. Financially. But in the seats, what have you. And yet we cry, bitch, moan, why complain. we can't go there. Why are we why aren't we in the Big Twelve? Why aren't we in the Big Five? Hey, I do have some hope for y'all. For them? Yes. Is it a lot or just enough? Is no, it a, it's just a little is hope. Is it a glimmer? It's, it's a, a glimmer. Just a little hope. This week, Big Twelve Commissioner Bob Bowlesby I saw, I saw the email. said that it I is read it. likely after his meeting with the CFP committee, uh, confirming that the championship game and the conference is important, and it's more about the fact that you thir- 13 points in terms of games yep. is bigger than 12 points to- in their evaluation. I got you. I got so you. he stated that it was probably likely that they would go to a big 12. The only reason I said that it was a small bit of hope, the un- other part is this, is that they're probably going to wait to see if their petition to the NCA is going to allow them to have a championship game. It was a co-petition right. with the ACC. Right. It's going to allow them to have a championship game uh, with just 10 teams. Yeah. So if they're able to get that, then they obviously want to expand. But if they get a no from the uh, petition side of yeah, the bylaws, they'll be forced to. Then it, if they're still going to move, it looks like they need to do it, and then expansion is going to come up. And then that brings in a little bit of hope for U of H to move up, which would help them in a lot of ways with the financial need they need in terms of uh, bolstering their facilities. And getting, getting in this proverbial. See, it would, it would uh, help, but that's money coming from outside. Yes. We have done a piss poor job for years of oh. having the money inside go to the facilities huh? and go support football I, and all that. Yeah, like and that. I, I agree with no, that. No, I know no, you're in the term, but I'm saying that the money on the outside, even when you look at programs like Iowa State, who hasn't found a way to win at outside all. of what they've done in some men's But they got game. money flowing. Yeah, but no, they don't. They, play. They, they, they've got enough. They've got enough money flowing. Let me finish. Go ahead. They don't have necessarily that much activity. 
when you compare them to other similar state institutions in regards of what they're getting from the alumni. A lot of their ability to update their facilities is based on the television money and the conference money. Match with outside the decent money. level of yeah, outside signing. money has changed it. So I'm suggesting if you get uh, more of this television money, uh, that we're talking about, particularly is no money. You're talking about a huge influx. You've seen that uh, mm-hmm. secondary level of commitment right. from schools like Big the Baylor yep. as well as TCU. Yep. Now, TCU had a little bit of job of getting more commitment from its alum, alums before and started the process of preparing them right. to make this move. But Baylor, if you think about it, Baylor's commitment was more about what they were able to do with their television money. And then the big dollars came later as they were trying to stay uh, in the Big 12 as some of this uh, landscape was changing. So there are some scenarios where you can look at the framework that the money from this television and other conference has allowed an influx of money that has motivated fans to get more involved. Yeah. So I understand. And that's what it'll take for U of H fans probably to do get off their duff and do something. Well, let, let me let me say something to you. Two things were mentioned on Thursday. One was about marketing, both inside and outside the campus. There will be a change. Marketing. Stay with me now. Stay with me. I ain't gonna be here long. I ain't gonna be here long. I I listened to. Uh, uh, it's something that yesterday, uh, uh Sunday, <laughs> and <laughs> preaching mention ain't gonna be here long. <laughs> just hold with me, just hold with me now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my point. But <laughs> <laughs> mentioned by Hunter, out of his mouth came these words: "That has to change. There has to be more effort, and I need to see more effort. If not, I'm gonna be making changes. There is not." any real outside marketing being done for signage. It's who is available and you taking the short road instead of taking the long one where you can not so much build, establish, uh, no, build a, a, a foundation over a long period of time. Take the long road and go and get you know, just because all you got to do is it's not going to do. If somebody tells you no after you're not going to do, that means your presentation needs to change. I, it, it, it's what I've been told in sales. If your presentation <laughs> is not is not good, you, the door's going to close on you. Tell me, tell and, me this, gentlemen. And the, the money, the budget was mentioned. I didn't know it was as small as it was, and that bothered me. Marketing budget, less than five hundred thousand. Oh yeah, and, and that doc, that bothered me to death. Because, but well, what is the percentage of that budget in terms of the I, athletic? I think that's more important from than what the dollar amount. Um, sometimes your expectations can be that the budget should increase, but if you're not able to increase your overall revenues, well, how are you going to really? President Katua mentioned about you know what they're aiming at. You know, overall, as a campus overall. But so that means you're asking for the institution to put more money in the you, athletics from they, a well, standpoint? Which means that they, you really ask the students to put more money in it. They are already asking the students. As a faculty lot. member, I would have problems with that. Uh, but, but they, it's between the two of them, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the interview right in front of me, but between the two of them, they both mentioned that there's a goal that they're trying to reach Overall, you know, between uh, not just in athletics, but in academics, but trying to make a uh, to get a balance 
somewhere along the way to not put all the weight on the students. But the bud athletic budget as it is right now, they are just holding on. I don't care what nobody's supposed to. You can all be down. Which is the point I was making earlier. I, I, I understand the budget, but where is this money going to come from? We keep saying <laughs> as if you can just magically have this money here. Well, when it, it, You have to always be careful in terms of how you compare um, University of Houston to what we now refer to as the Power Five conferences. It's a reason why the Power Five conferences, and I just did a guest lecture at Texas A&M, and, and by de facto had the opportunity to sit in they their, have, in their, um, in their um, athletic lunchroom, and the money falls on top of it. And so much of that money, yeah, the alumni did their part about this huge uh, windfall, but a lot of that was associated directly with the money they were getting from the SEC. And all that is going to get bigger. Well, when you have that cachet and people start to see some nice things, it's easier for them to say, well, I want to be a part of that, than it is for you to say, man, I need you to dig and create this magic. So I'm still at the point, where are you going to get this money from in terms of marketing? I just don't see it. And I would challenge you this. If you got a half a million dollars, and as you said, you're struggling in terms of what you're doing. To me, at some point, you need to look and say, how are we really spending effectively now, the $500,000 $500, versus now, saying, now, give me more? That, that was other th I, 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 two things. One, that was the, the question was brought up by Baron One about, you know, how are you effectively going down the road and all and, and, put, and putting things in place to Build on that. And not a long answer was given by either. Either by President Couture or Hunter. Uh, but the other thing that I'm, I'm the question that, uh, that you mentioned something about, I, uh, and I thought about this and I, I wasn't going to email you because I wanted to ask it in the forum. What does tier one mean financially to a university? As far as, is it outside money or is money? Yeah, tier one is, you, is measured by the money that you're getting from research. Okay. And but, I would be surprised if you use any of that money in terms of influencing what you do on athletics. I mean, you, some people would say to some degree you can get in some trouble if you're peeling from the wrong funds. Now, it does allow you to defer costs. That means if you get more money here, that obviously money that you would have been putting from institutional into research to get to tier one, now you can divert that money. Uh, but again, I think we still, if we're not careful, we miss the point. There's only so much money okay. at the level you're going to get from alums, uh, from the institution in terms of students without being able to really get that television money. The but, money is in the television. Okay. So I, uh, you, the, the now what bit. you're chasing is, and which is a good point is saying, Hey, we have to at least look attractive to put us in position to go to the conference. The little bit of some of the things that are, are taking place on campus. Some of that is a result of the TV money from ESPN, the contract that the conference does have with ESPN and digital networks, et cetera. But question for you, for both of you, U of H football last few seasons was, was, uh, third ward defense, this third ward, Texas on TV, et cetera. They would how, crap. how, how much, if any of that was spent on advertising 
at KCOH twelve thirty AM radio. None. 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 I mean, where what, is KCOH radio located? It's in the neighborhood, world. walking distance. Third world. I'm gonna say this who, flat who, out who from is, somebody that walks. Who is walking the distance. host of Sports Rap? Ralph Cooper. <laughs> Isn't he an icon in Third Ward? Hell, in Houston? He's I legend. hope so. He's a legend. So, you're talking about however much money the budget has marketing. And being affected with it. Which if, is if, yeah, if you have common sense, you'd walk your ass down to Casey Waves 1230 and be on sports rap. Sometimes. On a consistent basis. Sometimes. No, it should be more than sometimes. It should be consistent. Particularly if you're thinking about it from this. Not only would you want the natural residents of Third Ward, but this new nomenclature in terms of using in terms of Midtown, which means that you're diversifying <laughs> this neighborhood. And that word was mentioned a lot the other night, the other sure morning too. Diversity on that campus. much more over there in terms of KCOS radio because even the demographics fit what you're trying to do. But this is the point what I look at when I try to tell my students and so much is you can't, as a marketing person, the, the, I would fire you as an AD if you come to me and talk to me about wins and losses from your team. You cannot control it. And again, I will fire you if you come and talk to me about marketing this. Your goal as a marketing person to create an event in the atmosphere where people will spend their discretionary dollars. To some degree, we're having the same issue in terms of what Prairie View is doing in terms of creating a price point that I think is detriment to the fan base that they're trying to do. And that's because as much as I respect um, Ashley as athletic director, but the marketing people really don't understand marketing. The first thing you do as a marketing person is not put information out there. It's not promote. Promotion is one of the four P's. If not, you're using the seven P's. Some people even say eight P's now. But the basic marketing. Promotion is a subcomponent. It is part a marketing mix of marketing. One of the four P's. So promotion is a subset of what you should do in studying marketing. The first thing is you need to understand your product. And then the people associated with your product. And I think one of the major issues that many of the teams around here have done is they really don't understand what their fan base is and who, more importantly, is their fan base and to a lesser degree, who are potential fan base. And if you don't know that, you can't market to them. Obviously, you're going to spend and waste dollars because you're going to be marketing to somebody that may not have want to have anything to do with you. That's true. If you don't know who you're talking Putting up a billboard in terms of promotion is not going to get people to your stadium or your gym. Nope. No. Wins and losses are not going to get it either. And, and, and folks have seen that. You well, that's because there's no connection. The first thing you want to do is create value. And once you create value, then you can create a connection. One of the other things that we talk about, and this is simply marketing, this is not even sports marketing. First thing they tell you coming in marketing classes, you need to get your individuals that are marketing on a, a term that we call the escalator. Because you have fan base appeal on that in terms of what are people's expectation and the level of in sports we talk about it in fandom. So the higher they are on the escalator, the more they're involved in terms of your fan. That means right now you have people that are not even looking at the escalator. At places like U of H, to Texas Southern, Prairie View, I would even uh, put in Rice uh, in those frameworks. 
and not to even mention Sam Houston State of Lamar. And that's because people do not really understand how to touch the fan base in terms of understanding who is your fan. They are competing with the discretionary dollars I said. That means people can spend their money to go to a movie if they see that it's more value than going to a basketball game at UV. They can spend their money because you live in Houston. They can go to a museum. We have some of the best museums here. They can go to the ballet. Those are all the things that you're competing against. They can go to high school games to see the next player that may be playing at Kentucky or playing at Duke, as we've seen just this past year. So you're competing against these different factions of what's going on. People can just go to the mall and spend their time. So you need to really understand who are you trying to get into your stadium before you can make really good decisions. That's marketing. And that's, In this case, sports marketing. And we're going to wrap it up there real quick. The Rice Owl got a transfer, women's basketball. Tina Langley. Got a couple of things. Had a high new assistant coach. Yeah, I think. Angie Nilp. Yeah. And then got a transfer. And lady came coming home. Played high school ball at the Woodlands High School. I do not want to butcher her last name. And I don't either. Nicole, I apologize to you. And but it's I.A. DeMarco. So it's I, I Ada DeMarco, I Ada Marco, Aya DeMarco. Trust me, before you graduate Rice University, I'll learn how to pronounce your last name. That is a promise to you, Nicole. But she transferred from Arizona State. 6'1 guard. I like that. 6'1 guard. A big guard. Yeah. Women's college. I tell you. I like that. She'll transfer. I want to see that. Sit out the upcoming 15-16 season and play for Coach Langley in the squad now as a sophomore in 2016-2017. Two signs that I'm old, that we're getting old. Um, Amir Smith signed as an athlete of intent with the Riot Siles. Amir Smith's dad is Joe Smith. Played with the Warriors. In the NBA, Joe Smith played college ball at Maryland. 1995 NBA uh, top pick in the 95 draft. So Joe Smith has a son now headed to college. <laughs> uh, I'm glad, you, I'm glad so, you're getting that feeling. So, yeah, I'm getting that feeling. I forgot who the other one was. Another one, another player this week. Another uh, Cliff Robinson. Cliff Robinson. Oh, thank you. The, HBU. Right and, HBU? And, 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 yeah. and, and, and I'm going to tell you, I got. I still have yet to talk to Coach Cottrell how that got done, but I'm going to tell you, when he said Cliff Robinson, I'm like, oh, no. From from Oregon. From yeah. the Pacific Coast. A uh, Pac-10 country. Pac-10 country. A big kid. We talking about 200 pounds, 220, I think. But Doc. Uncle Cliffy has a son <laughs> that's coming to college as well. So, Ryan and HBU got kids. Big man. Sons of a N- big NBA man. players that I saw play. <laughs> Isaiah Robinson is his name. Oh, my gosh. I feel old. But Isaiah averaged better than the alternatives. That's better, better that, be older that, than that's, did. That's true. Right. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here. Yes. He averaged almost a triple-double, nine points, ten boards, and nine blocks in high school, senior, his senior year in high school. So welcome to Isaiah Robinson and Amir Smith. So close it out, Wildcat. How can folks find you on the Internet? You can find me on the Internet at JL Woodley one Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report, Blogger, YouTube and SoundCloud. That's it. I think so. 
You got any video coming up this week? Oh, the, uh, Thursdays, uh, 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 last Thursday, I got the complete function, uh, on, uh, online. Um, it should be up. I know I got it at my YouTube, uh, uh, it's on, it's up on YouTube. And it's less, uh, the, it's called the, uh, T, uh, the, uh, uh, introduction of the new athletic director, the introduction of the new vice president of intercollegiate athletics, <laughs> University of Houston, Hunter Juracek. Nice, as a matter of fact, his, his oldest son is a freshman at Marshall football. Uh, the Miller boy. Marshall what? Thurgood Marshall? No. Marshall University? Yes. Oh, he didn't want to come to U of H? He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave the Carolinas where, where they're from. Where the family's from. And mm. he's only been, the family's only been here a year. Well, not even going on two years. I understand that. Mm, he better transfer his butt over to U of H. Well, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, what now, that, but, but the Miller boy. He's, he's big for his age. Then he need to come to U of H. I mean, I'm talking about 10 years, uh, 10, Go 10 or 12. Go Cougs. Homeboy is pretty good size. He better put them fingers up, go Cougs, and, and be at U of H. You know, but the little one. You're ignoring me, Wildcat. Down. You're ignoring me here. He, hey. he better get, get the kids to go to U of H. <laughs> yeah, he said serious about that. I'm going to say something to you. Go Cougs. I didn't see anybody making an effort. And I'm saying. Go Cougs. I'm saying it just like that. Go Cougs, go Cougs. I didn't see a person making that effort. Go Cougs. I, I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't give at least a bit of a shout out to the Houston Astros. Uh, the first place of Houston yeah, Astros. Yeah, somebody told me it's about bullpen. Winning seven games, uh, leading today, so it looks like they're going to Four games up in first place. So first, see, see yeah. how Baseball knowledge is creeping into my tweets. It's supposed to. One of the reasons that was on the mind, I had the fortunes of bringing a Astros representative, uh, corporate account manager, Mr. Jared Noble. Um, he came over to speak to the class this past weekend, so he made sure that uh, I had my Houston Astros in front, and so that's the reason that I'm providing them some love. He happens to be a Florida A&M University graduate, HBC graduate, Rattler. Is he an AFIA man? Is he an alpha? No, no, he didn't travel those burning sands, as we would say at that time. And to his credit, he actually is on his way out with the Astros. He'll be leaving July to go to Duke to enter into their uh, top rank business program as an MBA student. So, How can folks find you, Doc? They can find me on the social media platforms of Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, as you said, you can find some of our reports during the year, uh, particularly during basketball season on the EHRR, the Houston Round Ball Review. Um, during the football season, you can find most of my work on Onidon, O-N-N-I-D-A-N.com. It reviews updates on sports. Um, had a SoundCloud account where you can go listen to my radio show inside HBCU uh, Sports Lab. If you are not able to listen to it live, which is every Tuesday uh, from 7 to 8, KCOHradio.com, or if you're on the dial, it's KCOH 1230, uh, every Tuesday from 7 to 8, Sister Standard Time. Again, you can listen to it. If you can't get podcasts, you can listen to the sound class, if you can't listen to it loud, and that's inside the HBCU Sports Lot. 
and I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. I want to thank the people who retweeted my comment, my tweet about Hunter Yurchek and UH marking me discussed in this podcast. I hope y'all still follow me after you hear we, our comments that we made about UH marketing and Hunter Yurchek. But then I'm not going to name her name because one of them is pretty interesting. But uh, yes, KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website, www. HoustonRoundBallReview.com Also www.vthezhrr.com Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud.com As well as iTunes You've heard a few things discussed in this podcast You've heard us discuss boxing They were the Pacquiao fight You've heard us discuss basketball U of H, Rice, Rockets That's what we do HBCU Sports We'll get talk about we'll talk about NFL draft next podcast as well. Looking to uh, probably the NBA second round, maybe even the conference finals. I got the schedules posted on my men's hoops blog. One thing we forgot to talk about, I'm not going to do it right now, but we forgot to talk about Brittany Griner and Glory Johnson and their domestic issue. Uh, like someone mentioned in a conversation, it's not it's out of season. That's what I said. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's out of season. It's it's not a good look for the two of them. Uh, Brittany's getting going into anger anger management counseling. Wish both of them well. But um, Wildcat and I have something in the works later on this summer <laughs> regarding the WNBA and the San Antonio Silver Stars. Correct me, right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm laughing that's because, a tease. because I, I one, hadn't forgotten about that. One so. thing before you sign it off in terms of the NFL that I would. And just a quick snapshot I did in terms of statistics on the first round as we'll be able to talk about the overall draft as it's elongated now with these three days. But the fact is, yesterday, a couple of things I noticed was I happened to notice all of the first 32 picks were from NCAA FBS programs, what we formerly called 1A. I happened to notice that only one of the first 32 picks were not African-Americans. Or blacks, whichever terminology you prefer to use. And that one was picked by my team, correct me if I'm wrong, offensive lineman? Yes. It's the fifth pick in the draft. Yes. Y'all need one. I am so y'all, happy y'all that my team, after work. all this damn time, drafted <laughs> offensive lineman in the first two rounds. <laughs> you you need the second work. time in 15 years. Maybe that explains why the quarterback's been brutalized for the last 15 running years. Running for his life? Sorry, protection. Is he running for his life? Line. But I digress. Doc, continue. <laughs> Thank you. That does happen. <laughs> The last one I noted, uh, pulled out was, um, two, only two of the first 32 picks were not from one of the Power Five conferences. So I've been tracking this for the last couple of years. And I said earlier that this autonomy and the Power Five conferences, and before that, that things were trending in this direction. And based on the trends, I have been correct thus far. And I believe that you will even see this. Uh, becoming more powerful, which goes back to my original point when we were looking at U of H in terms of just how much synergy, brand awareness, financial awareness that is going to these Power Five conferences. How can folks find you? Anybody else want to wrap it up anything? Oh, no. Uh-huh. Go ahead. But like I was mentioning, and we need to get listeners, don't be shy. I told one of our listeners, one of our diehard supporters, you can add comments on at soundcloud.com once you're listening to the podcast you can add your comments to little parts of our discussions our audio you hear you hear a point that you like something you want to disagree with you can click on that part of the clip audio clip and add a comment right there so you can do that interact with us on soundcloud don't be shy on our facebook page the kg 
Fifth Wildcat and Doc Facebook page, add your comments, share your thoughts. We we got feedback and we're asked to discuss the pack of Mayweather fight, things like that. Interact with us. Let us know what you want us to discuss and we'll try to fit it in our podcast. Gentlemen, as always, thank you very much for your time, your knowledge, your opinions. I appreciate it. We're going to wrap it up. As I always do, Wildcat travel safe. Stay out of trouble in Vegas. Oh, trust me. I know what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. And you're a living proof of that. (laughs) (laughs) What two days are all I can do now? But like I said, you are living proof of what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas. Yep. I know that. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, Uh, be true, uh, be cool, uh, and do more.